0: Well, folks, it's that time of the week again. It is the D.C. Sports Huddle, as always, presented by our friends at MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. I am Rob Woodfork, moving with the agility of Ron Rivera when ducking questions about the ownership, uh, ownership situation in Washington. George Wallace, who is deceptively fast. He runs a really good 40, and Dave Preston only wears baggy shirts because... He is hiding a build that is becoming of his uh, yo- what, what is happening? What is that noise? You hear that noise? That's construction in my building. Are you
1: serious? Wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. You know how yeah. I lost my balcony? Yeah, that's the balcony.
0: Okay. Right All right.
2: How's anybody supposed to sleep over there?
0: Uh, we're not. We're not supposed to. How are we supposed to huddle? Like I was yeah. in the middle of making a bunch of dad jokes related to the NFL combine, which uh, of course is where. But why
2: am I deceptively fast? I don't look like I could be fast.
0: Uh, you don't look like you can run a 4 four forty, but I've seen you do a 4-8. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Fine. Yeah. It's a little deceptive. Um... Under five. <laughs> Uh, This is a great start. Uh, So let's uh, let's talk about some of the things that came out at the uh, NFL Combine. Uh, Ron Rivera spoke to the media, as do most front facing uh, individuals with uh, NFL teams. And uh, one of the big uh, things that come out of that, I mean, yes, he ducked the question about the ownership, but he did touch on the quarterback subject which has been one that has been a hot-button topic in Washington for, well, what, 40 years now? So he made the admission that basically Sam Howell is not QB1. He's just going to go into the offseason as such and that they are looking to add a veteran uh, signal caller. So – why not have an exercise where we discuss what quarterback that might be? Now it bears pointing out, Washington's had twelve starting quarterbacks just since twenty eighteen. That is not. I that know big. who it's not going to be. Who's it not going to be? Your guy. Who's my guy? Cam. <laughs> it's not going to be Cam. You're right. It's not going to be Cam. I've, uh, I've I've officially given up hope of that. But uh, by Whoa. far it's in the NFL, that?
2: write that down.
0: It doesn't mean I'm not going to bring him up again. Uh, By far the 12 quarterbacks since 2018, Washington has the most uh, starting quarterbacks used in the NFL. Four teams have eight. So it's really uh, by a pretty wide margin. So uh, that obviously includes Taylor Heineke. We're ruling him out of this exercise one because it's boring and it's played out. And we've laid out this reason in previous episodes. So who guys do we think would be a, home run target for Washington. And even though it doesn't feel like, and I will start with this, it doesn't feel like they're going for a home run. They're probably just going for a double or even an RBI single or something like that. But I think a home run, Lamar Jackson, that's going to cost you probably three first round picks. He's probably going to get the franchise tag in Baltimore And just everything that's going on with that situation, it just feels like that is headed toward divorce. And that's because I think the Ravens are a better organization than say one that would franchise him twice and then just let him walk away at the end of that. Nobody's done that. Yeah. Who would do that? (sighs) Who would do that? So if I'm Washington, I send three first round picks, probably Deron Payne, because that's the only way that you're going to make the money work right? Because that's 18.9 million after they just franchise tagged him. And he gets a fully guaranteed uh, Jackson. That is gets a fully guaranteed four-year deal. Maybe you can work in some exit ramps for something like drastic, like a career ending injury, but that is a guy who is box office because everybody's going to want to see him play. He's good character. And quite frankly, you're going to have to pay for a quarterback at some point. (laughs) It's better. I would rather pay 45 million a year for Lamar Jackson, then 35 million a year for Derek Carr, and also and before you get and I know what George is going to say, you're going to talk go. about the you're going to talk about the ownership situation, right? And I think the ownership situation actually plays into Washington's advantage there because if you give him a fully gu- guaranteed contract, other teams aren't going to like it, other owners aren't going to like it, and you can just blame that on Snyder on the way out. He's already pissed them all off, <laughs> so what's one more transgression against him? on the way out. Mm -hmm. Tell me I'm crazy, George Wallace. Uh, You're crazy, number one.
2: Number two, you just told me to tell you, so I'm going to tell you. I don't know about the ownership situation. I, I just don't know about him. And I mean, he doesn't really fit, I don't think.
0: Well, so I he- mean, look, you have a new offensive coordinator, and if he's who you think he is, then, yeah. you know, and, and you're not going to bring number 15 with you from Kansas City. So if you're not going to do that, get the guy who's probably the next tier down, who, by the way, was a unanimous MVP just a couple of years ago. There's only two guys in the history of the league who have been a unanimous MVP.
2: No, you're right. I just don't know about paying him that
0: money. And here's the one thing that gives me pause, FedEx Field. And Jason Wright, in my interview with him uh, last month, he did say that they did some improvements to FedEx Field, the playing surface, and it's not the disaster that it was, oh, say 10 years ago, when RG3 sidebar, Lamar Jackson's backup in Baltimore for a few years, shredded his knee on that surface. Now, I don't trust that field entirely just yet, not for a guy who's as dynamic as Lamar Jackson, but it also bears pointing out he did have that ridiculously long run against them in 2020 when the Ravens beat the uh, then Washington football team at FedEx field. But George is ruling out Lamar Jackson. as well. I, I, yeah. Let me finish. Okay. I <laughs> don't know. I, I, I'm passionate here's the thing. about this.
2: I really think that they want to see what they've got in Sam Howe. And if they bring a quarterback, and I know you said home run. Again, this is not okay. going. I don't think it's just not going to happen.
0: No, it's. Not, I don't think it's going to yeah. happen. But I'm just cleaning right. out the scenario for which it could. Yeah.
2: Right. 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 But yeah. I think the route you're going is a veteran, is a Derek Carr type. I even. I mean, I don't want to say it, but even Marcus Mariota was released mm. yesterday. Somebody like that, it's going to come in here because I really think they're going to see what they've got in Sam Howell. They drafted him, and they. they just got...
0: <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
2: Time to move. Dude,
0: I'm do uh, yeah. this out.
2: The uh, Dan's not bringing a guy, you know, he tells Ron to go ahead and conduct free agency like normal and do what you want to do. But when it comes down to it, Dan's not going to, yes, he could sign that deal and then leave it to the next owner to deal with. That's his problem and headache. But even if he, I mean, who knows how long this thing's going to take now with everything going on. I just don't think Dan's bringing in and signing any more, anybody and giving anybody any money at this point. I know Ron says it, but I, and I don't know how real, those conversations a bit. I haven't found that out, but I, I didn't, and I, didn't, I don't even know how active they're going to be, you know, free agency.
0: I have no idea. Yeah. The more likely scenario is going to be a second tier guy. You mentioned Marcus Mariota. That's one of the guys that I would, it could, because here's the thing, if you're going to go the veteran route and you're yeah. bringing in somebody who's going to compete with and or mentor Sam Howell, then yeah. Marcus Mariota and the guy who I think would be great for that role would be a Jacoby Brissett, a guy, uh, both yeah. of these guys have extensive starting experience in the league. They're good enough to win you games and you feel comfortable with starting them for a spell, even if it ends up being the whole season, if uh, Howell implodes, but they're not big enough names or big enough talents that it's going to step on Sam Howell's development. He's not going to be looking over his shoulder at him. Like no. say, they a Taylor Heineke who the yeah. fans loves, even though yeah. he stinks, Dave Preston.
2: No, and we real quick, real quick. But that's that is so true. That is a guy you wouldn't be sitting here saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe Jacoby Brissett's on the bench," or "I can't believe Marcus Mariota's not playing" because they have him here. Where last year, Carson Wentz, that's yeah. what you would have been saying, right? If you have that, and Taylor Heineke, not necessarily saying we would say, "Oh my God, I can't believe Taylor's sitting," but the second Hal gets sacked or the second Hal throws a pick. Heineke chance go up at FedEx Field. That's why you cannot have him here.
1: You guys have mentioned everybody over the last ten minutes, so yes. I, you know I, I know. I, I good think, answer,
2: Dave. Good answer.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I think I think a Jacoby percent type is probably the best option. I mean, it'd be yes. nice to bring in a Lamar Jackson. It'd be you know even okay to bring in a Derek Carr, but I think that for what you've got with this franchise, Sam Howell. He even though he's not the unquestioned starter, he is the leader in the clubhouse. Going into this thing, he is the only one with an upside in the mix, obviously, as Carson Wentz has been released. Taylor Heineke is a free agent dangling in the wind, who if he comes back, it's going to be a somewhat awkward situation because the fan base loves him in a way that they've not warmed up to, you know, a a ton of guys who have been here since uh, Kirk Cousins. When you think about it, because, you know, even though Alex Smith had a fantastic story coming back from the compound fracture, did people really warm up to him? Did people really say, wow, I can't wait to see what he can do on the football field because he threw for, I think 179 yards, two or three straight weeks at one point. So I think a Jacoby Brissett, a guy who's taken snaps in the league elsewhere, a guy who's not necessarily a threat, but a guy who can maybe be a mentor for uh, Sam Howell this year. That's the best option. That's that's what they're probably going to go with. I'm more interested to see what they do to the offensive line, uh, what they do to the secondary moving forward, uh, as opposed to focusing on the quarterback. It feels like so many times we're focused on the shiny object, and that is going to be the quarterback what do they do with Kirk Cousins what's going on with Alex Smith oh my goodness Taylor Heineke Carson Wentz when you really need to build this team through an offensive line they had a bad offensive line last fall and
0: it cost them but here's the thing bad quarterbacks and still haven't won so I mean I I agree with that point but they do have to upgrade that position here's an interesting name that I didn't think about until yesterday Sam Darnold is a pretty high ceiling veteran. I mean, he was a number three pick in the draft. I know he hasn't shown a, a ton in two years. He's dealt with injuries, but he's only twenty six years old. And if you can bring him in and uh, and kick the tires and see what he's got in the tank, that. Might not be a bad pickup. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point he's a humble guy. And if he's not a humble
1: guy, boom, he's gone. You're not giving him any guaranteed money. So you bring him on and you say, here's a chance for you to prove yourself that you can earn an NFL paycheck and maybe get a look somewhere else if things don't work out here. And coming into this, things are not going to be designed for you to work out here necessarily.
0: The tie is going to go. To Sam Howe. Right. And then on top of that, I think his career derailed. I think it was a combination of injuries and just being with bad organization. I mean, he's at least not publicly anyway. It doesn't sound like he's had like a Zach Wilson situation where he's just a total, you know, head case and has alienated teammates or anything to that extent. I, I, I think he's uh, uh, still a pretty good prospect if you can resurrect that. But I would say Derek Carr is too expensive. Aaron Rodgers is too insane if that ends up being an option. And yeah. Kobe Brissett might just be right. That might yeah. be the right fit right there. Here's another guy who's not on anybody's radar, but I think given the Eric enemy hire is a guy that maybe you pay attention to. Shane Bouchelle was uh, like a third stringer with okay. the, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. He was on and off their practice squad, if I recall correctly. I'm pretty sure Dave Preston will remember him as the Texas quarterback that came to College Park and got beat uh, a few years ago. He's been a backup in uh, Kansas City, had a completion percentage north of 60% every year in college. He's basically Taylor Heineke with less mobility and more fundamentally sound game. So a guy with a football IQ like that, that's something that Ron Rivera has uh, talked quite a bit about. He doesn't really have the athleticism you want at that position, but might be an interesting guy to to hold a clipboard if uh, some of these bigger name options don't pan out. Two things I like about him. One,
1: he has experience in the Kansas City offense. So even though they're not doing a direct lift from what the Chiefs did to Washington, he can at least be a teaching assistant. You know how when you take a college course and there was a TA, who was a grad student, he'd taken the course before, he could at least help you along the way. And two, he does have experience at FedEx Field because Texas lost that game at FedEx. And believe it or not, there was water in the press box. I think was it was rain, it was not sewage. It was a leaky press box because it was raining that day. So he's familiar with FedEx Field and we're familiar with a bad press box when he's there.
2: Oh, well, I could God. talk Chad Henny out of retiring and bring him here because he was with them also.
0: I mean, he's made a lot of money in his career. I mean, I would love to have a gig where you just have to be ready to play and never play and make a bunch of money to never get hit. Him and Chase Daniel, right? Chase yeah, Daniel. But There's always the chance that you might get called into a
1: game. <laughs> and depending on who you're facing, if your starter gets knocked out, Maybe that the defense is pretty bad. It reminds me when the uh, years ago, Hall of Fame punter Ray Guy was the emergency quarterback for the Raiders. They played the Bears at Soldier Field. And this is a year before they won the Super Bowl and they knocked out Jim Plunkett. They knocked out uh, Mark Wilson. And they're like, hey, emergency punter Ray Guy, you're next. He's like,
0: not having any of that i don't feel good my arm is sore i am not doing that and look and that was in an era where you could body slam a quarterback. oh yeah that wasn't uh they, right, they did that way they did don't yeah and nowadays if you as much as sneeze on a quarterback it's a 15-yard penalty and you're probably going to get fined right, um, would you say that we're talking about the popularity of taylor heineke let's just go backwards okay Would you say he is? Taylor Heineke is going backwards, but go on.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't consider Kirk Cousins as the backup. No. Colt Brennan or Babe laufenberg That's the status in this town that Taylor Heineke's at. Would you agree with that?
1: Yes. I say he's in that territory, and the thing is, he's had regular season success, too. He had that one playoff game against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yeah. He had the January that equaled those guys' August. If that makes sense, yeah. because at least in those August, you're like, yeah, whatever. These are preseason games. And it's like, no, this is against Tom Brady. This is against Tampa Bay. And then you find out, no, this is against the eventual Super Bowl champ. And he went toe to toe with these guys.
0: And here's the thing. The bar is so low. They lost that game by 11 points. Mm. He had like one touchdown pass and one rushing touchdown that they're literally still making t-shirts about him diving. At oh, yeah. The, at the they pile. celebrated it. So it's just like, just the bar is so low. Like they didn't win the game. They didn't, advance, they weren't even particularly close. They just weren't blown out because they didn't have their starting quarterback. And oh, by the way, they made the playoffs with a losing record that year. So keep in mind though, that this is a franchise
1: who Bruce Allen used to say, Hey, we have the best preseason record and what have you, or either here or Gruden. Somebody, somebody said it to the point where we said, Are we going to be hanging a banner for that?
0: Yeah. No, that's no, that's the Baltimore I, thing right there. Baltimore, yeah. their uh, big preseason win streak. Uh, real quick, George Wallace, uh, how do we feel about the uh, franchise tag on DeRon Payne? We knew it was coming. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise, but uh, how do we feel about that?
2: I mean, it's fine. You got, you got, you, he was going to go, if you let him hit free agency, he's going to go somewhere. I mean, he's going to make 18.3 million, whatever. It's a guy you want to hopefully lock up of, of the last three off seasons, you know, when they've locked up Jonathan Allen, Terry McLaurin, I don't feel as confident in this one, just again, because of the ownership situation. So this is a rental, basically.
0: Yeah. Unless
2: somebody else comes in and just blows out of the water and signs him to whatever he wants to do. But I mean, it's a guy you got to keep. There was no brand. There's nobody else. You're going to do that tag to, you know? So yeah. for me, it's fine. He gets to stay and hopefully you know balls out like he said like he did last year and that would be yeah, So
0: here's here's the thing I have mixed feelings about it yes he's a good player he's good for the locker room like you want to reward those players they spent a first round pick on a defensive lineman for four straight years so you've already paid Jonathan Allen you've already made that commitment to him that as you should he's probably the best of the lot yeah Deron Payne is probably the next best player but you have two edge rushers coming up next you have Sweat coming up Fair point. Uh, Next. And then you have Chase Young, and you still don't know what you have in Chase Young. i tell you what, that's leaning the other way, though. And that's what I'm saying. It's like I'm not prepared to call him a bust, but he's in a point where 2023 he needs to be lights out good if he's going to stay here. So if you pay Deron Payne, let's say that you give him the big long-term contract, then that's going to prohibit you – presumably from being able to pay at least one of those edge rushers, if not both of them. And so in hand, and I get that, but it's like, this is not the nineties or the early two thousands where yes, you need to have those two big tackles in the middle to stop the run. People aren't running anymore. They're passing. So you have to have the edge rushers and you need to be able to dedicate resources to that because that's going to be more expensive. You just used a second round pick on Mathis At defensive tackle, presumably you like this guy, and I know he had the season-ending injury as a rookie, but I don't know that beyond this franchise tag, I don't know that I keep Deron Payne beyond 2023 unless he gives you a hometown discount, and I don't get the idea that he's going to do that.
1: I think you need to keep either Sweat or uh, Chase Young, one of the two, and you, you let the chips fall where they may. You need to figure out which of the edge rushers you can keep. You hope to keep one of those edge rushers with Deron Payne. And if you can't, unfortunately, you have to part ways. But, you know, that's that's why these are tough decisions. You know, that's that's why this is not 1985 when you could keep guys. But then again, you couldn't acquire guys. So the NFL of today allows you to really replenish and, and, and refresh your roster in a way that you
0: couldn't way back when. Right. And that's just my thing. And we're going to have to wait for George to come back. Uh, By the way, folks, if you haven't heard the news, sports on WTOP has shifted from 15 and 45 as it has been for many years, dating back to when I was a kid growing up. Now we are at 25 and 55. Money news has shifted to uh, 10 and 4. What is it? 10 and uh, 10 and 40. 40. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do the math in my head. So, uh, if you're listening to us on air and you're coming on at fifteen and uh, forty-five, uh, you're ten minutes early now. As of uh, this past Monday, do you like it? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it, and it's interesting. As a matter of fact, let's let's discuss it a little yeah. bit. So George gets back. So, so it is different. What I like about it though is that we have again, which we used to have in uh, previous iterations of our clock we used to have a buffer between sports and the next element where you had a spot or something that would kind of separate the headlines and so forth. And I feel like that's necessary because a lot of times, and especially you, Dave, you know, have a kicker at the end of, of a sports cast where you yes. it up with the anchors, we're having a good time. And then you don't want to come out of that and then talk about death and destruction in uh, an unfortunate locale. So I feel like having the buffer back is incredibly clutch for us, but also, uh, you know, it, it does provide a challenge in that our sports guests are a little bit shorter. Uh, it changes. It,
1: I mean, it, yes, during, it does.
0: Yeah. Right. Especially during I, I'm speaking for like my shit, like during right. morning drive, like it's, I think you're pinched a little bit more Right. Uh, at night when I've been doing sports and the sports are happening Right. You know, or Sundays where it's very heavy in sports and a little lighter on the news blocks, we're afforded a little bit extra time. This kind of, you know, it, it'll it require some some work in order to, uh, to do that under this new format. But yeah, so far, so good, right?
1: I think so. I think, and, you know, be patient with us because it's going to take a while. Again, as long as you remember, as long as I remember, I've been in the area for 20 plus years. So it's going to take some getting used to, but we hope our listeners are uh, with us. And,
2: George, do we have any breaking Capitals news, perhaps? (laughs) We do, yes. Would you like to hear it? Yes. We'll save it for next week. Okay. (laughs) No, they (laughs) traded. Lars Eller, (laughs) gone. We call folks a tease. Yeah, Yeah. Lars Eller. I mean, look, Lars had the game-winning, clinching, Stanley Cup clinching goal.
0: Yeah. And he also had
2: that goal against Columbus during the same uh, playoffs when they were down 2-0.
0: No, and j- you know what, guys, just like the Burgundy and
2: Gold, are going to
1: have to make difficult decisions regarding their free agents. The Capitals are making some difficult decisions over the last week. You know, Dimitri Orlov had been with the team for 686 games, 11 seasons. He's gone. Uh, Garnet Hathaway, a guy who's been here for a while, has gone as well. Lars Eller didn't start with the Caps, but he feels like he has been there the entire time. He was on the cup winning team. It's going to be intriguing between now and Friday when the trading deadline does take place, how many more pieces do get moved. This isn't a total rebuild reboot, but I think you have to view this as the powers that be trying to spruce up the roster, spruce up the talent, refresh it for Alex Ovechkin's final run as a player. Maybe set things up on this roster for him to maybe get one more deep cup run because they haven't gotten past the second round with the exception of the Stanley cup championship in 2019. And they haven't won a playoff series since 2019.
2: Right. And by the way, they have now have 25 picks in the next three drafts. That's pretty good. That's good. But I hear Ted's quote about, you know, Ovi and, and not a total rebuild because or I think it was Ted who said it. And look, if you totally tear it down, then Ovi's not going to get the record. So you got to stay somewhat competitive
0: but here's my thing, you can't. You can't build a team around the wishes of one player, though. And I think I've said on here, Jay Brooks and I always go back and forth about this because he thinks the relentless pursuit of the record is coming to the expense of the team on a on a game-to-game basis. I disagree with that because you're talking about scoring goals and you need to outscore the opponent in order to win. You know, it's not like Bruce Smith, but don't you think that's the what back they want in Washington, you know? Right. But just, uh, you know, that's you have, do you have that coin? Do you have
1: a coin? I I thought I had the. Yeah. Is this the Bruce Smith sack coin? No, it's not. It's oh my something, some other piece of but, junk that I've got in my apartment.
0: Well, no, but I think that it does kind of hold back their need to rebuild because they are older. I mean, what's their record in, second game of back-to-backs? I think they're 1-6-1 and one at last. Uh, it's not good. And it's not just the losses, but they look bad
1: in those losses yes, too, guys. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. They look like a team that's old right. and that's done, and that's not going to have enough gas to to get, I mean, they don't look like they're going to make the playoffs, let alone do anything in them. So my thing is, at what point do you say, Ovi, it's been great, the vast majority of your goals, and I'm sure you'll set a record somewhere or whatever, but if he doesn't want to stick around for a rebuild, I mean, they're probably about two, three years late on the rebuild. Yeah, there is no way he's going anywhere else to break this record. I'm not wishing that, but I'm just from an organizational standpoint, at some point, you have to and we got to get Ben Rabie on here and have Man. this discussion in full but i mean like at some point you're going to have to hit control alt delete on this thing it's
2: not going to happen this is their focus right now i'm telling you and when he, when he breaks the record that's when you're going to see Ted sell this team i think <laughs> oh wow okay
1: i think it's akin to
0: that's you a- know
1: i i don't think they move off from Alex Ovechkin it, it right now it, it's akin to punting at the 40-yard line. If you're at the 50, you punt, but if you're at the 40, you don't. And I think they're already in the middle of a rebuild, so to speak. And they're trying to rebuild on the fly and moving on from Alex Ovechkin at this time, it's going to bring you some players back, you know, this, that, and the other thing, but you're going to lose a cradle-to-grave player. Everything that we say that the Nationals have done wrong in getting out of the Trey Turner and Juan Soto business, it's a similar thing from moving on from Alex Ovechkin because I think I want to say he has more than twice as many goals as anybody else on this team, unless TJ Oshie has climbed up with his 15th or 16th or, you know, along those lines. So it's not as though he's the Bruce Smith who's hanging on with five sacks a year on an average team. Alex Ovechkin is one of easily the two or three reasons why this team is not at the very bottom of the metropolitan division. I mean, but don't you only,
0: think there's only teams as a buffer right now? <laughs> all right. Third worst. But don't you, don't you think
2: their focus right now is Ovi? It's not winning. I do. I, mean, I think that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Is, I think yeah. it's a
1: combination of the two. I think, I, I think it's or a combination. of That's a problem.
2: I, I get it. But problem. how many times are you going to have a player that's going to break the all time. I, I don't know. No. I, I hear you. But at the same time, he's been here since day one. He's done all of this for the city and the team. If he has a chance to break the all-time scoring record in a Capitals uniform, you bet your ass they're going to focus on that. I mean,
1: they've so revamped longer. before. They revamped eight years ago when they uh, blew out George McPhee. They were able That's to revamp yeah, on I the they fly were under that. Barry Trotz, and and yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, you they gave us you know some great hockey then. So you can rebuild in hockey because it takes four line combinations, three defensive pairs to put together a winner. And just as difficult it is to put together a champion, it's difficult to be absolutely awful. So they can rebuild. They do have some pieces. Are things going to get rough? Yes. Are things going to be less than ideal? Of course. But they can continue on this path to where they are a faint contender with Alex Ovechkin being a
0: fantastic ticket and putting butts in those seats. All right. So speaking of putting butts in seats, they've been doing that at Xfinity Center all year long, both men's and women's basketball, the men's team. There was a very interesting quote from Jameer Young after the Terps improved to 10 and 0 on their home court in conference games. The first time they've done that since their first season in the Big Ten. Uh, I feel like we have the potential to be in the Sweet 16, uh, in my opinion, uh, and even further than that. Do we agree with his assertion, Dave Preston, who is an AP Top 25 voter? I think that they're a team.
1: Yes. And you know what? I got a lot of grief from IU fans, Indiana university. I had them ranked 21st instead of 15th as the consensus did. And IU lost uh, earlier this week to Iowa. So yeah. sometimes you're lucky. Sometimes you're not
2: so good. Uh, I, I think if you have a system,
1: yes, I could easily see Maryland losing in the first round at best, they will be a six more likely. They're going to be a seven seed. And when you get seven to 10, Those are teams that are probably in between 25th and 40th on the grid, so to speak. And there's, in men's college basketball, unlike the women's game where there's such a gap between the top three and the next 10, and then the next 10, the 50th team can easily beat the number five team in the nation in men's college basketball. It's that flat line, depending on circumstances and who gets hot and, uh, you know, referees and 18 to twenty two 23 year olds making decisions, you know, in high pressure uh, situations. I think Maryland could easily lose in the first round. I think they could easily get to the sweet 16. A lot of it's going to be based on how they're playing and depends on the draw and uh, depends on the mindset, how they carry through. I think that Kevin Willard has done a fantastic job this season. I think he should be under heavy consideration for big 10 coach of the year, because Heading into the season, I think we thought seven, eight wins might be the ceiling for this team in Big Ten play. And yeah, exactly. And I think uh, they have a chance if they win at Ohio State or win at uh, Penn State to secure a double bye. And not only do they have a chance to get to the Sweet 16, they have a chance to get to Saturday in the big 10 tournament, which I don't think they've done since 2015 or 2016. 16. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't think they're going to go one and done. I think that they can win a game, maybe two. So I I don't know that they're a sweet 16 team, but I don't think that they're going to go one and done. It's, it's not like the women's uh, tournament where you can get some home games in there, especially in tournament. They can't play away from home. So I think that's going to hurt them in the tournament. George Wallace, is this a Sweet 16 team? I don't think they're
2: one and done either. I don't know if it's a Sweet 16 uh-huh. team. I think, and look, it just like the, it's the whole tournament it depends on the draw. It really does. It is away from home, yes. It is neutral. I mean, they played well at Barclays this year. Where else they play neutral? They went to the Bahamas, right? Yeah. So Where's the term? Bahamas. So it, it does depend on the draw. Uh-huh. I really do believe that. If they get shipped out west to Sacramento, maybe a different story. But if you're closer to home, Albany, Greensboro – you will get people to travel. These fans are waiting for this for a long time. So that could help as well. There's no mental issues with this team. Go like depending on when they go and play. Yeah, okay, playing on the road in the Big 10 is totally different. It's a different animal. Playing on the road in conference is a different animal for anything. That's fine, but he has them believing they can go and play with anybody, beat anybody anywhere. And I think that is a huge deal whereas before maybe this the, Mark Turgeon's teams took the court with a lot of stuff in the back of their mind, like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be here. We can't win in this spot. We can't beat this team. So much doubt creeps in. But I think this team is playing with a ton of confidence. Now there's still ways to go. You got two road games this week and then then a Big Ten tournament. You could lose three straight two heading into the into next weekend. So, but I do think that they do have the um ability to play
0: and get out of the first weekend, depending on the draw. All right. We're up against the clock. I just want to part with uh, this thought. The Tuesday night win for the Wizards in Atlanta opened a crucial two week stretch to their season. It was the first out of five games out of seven in which they play the Hawks and the Raptors. Those are the two teams immediately ahead of them in the standings. And it's a really quirky scheduling. Four of those five games are at home. They did win the road game, obviously in Atlanta to start it off. It's hard to envision them losing all of those games, but they've got to at least post a winning record if uh, if the playoffs are a reality for that team. Dave Preston, who looks, like
1: uh, yeah, Rob, it's almost as though the NBA set its schedule and they just forgot to put some games in, and they're like, <laughs> "Oh no, what are we going to do?" So this is very weird because they play Toronto two times in a three-day stretch, and then they play Atlanta in short order as well after right. playing them on the road. So, uh, But yeah. what sets them up, 14 of their final 21 games in the regular season are at home. 11 of 16 in March will be at home. So the Wizards, they've shown signs this winter where they can catch fire from time to time. Granted, they then, you know, play like a wet mop for a game or two. But I <laughs> you know, And things are set up for them in March to get things done. I know that, uh, as you mentioned, we're up against it. This year's Girl Scout cookie rankings tag-alongs are number one on the sports page at WTOP.com. Check it out this week's Beltway Basketball Beat. We also preview the CAA championship. If you have a chance to get out there this weekend, see some really fun teams play. Charleston's one of the highest scoring teams in the country. Hofstra's another exciting team as well. Towson and Delaware both played well last year. They're back in the mix at the Entertainment and Sports Arena.
0: All right, delay of game on the D.C. Sports Huddle, but it is sponsored by our friends at MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. I am Rob Woodfork signing off alongside George Wallace and Dave Preston. Until next week when we huddle up again.